Hey friends, your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. In this case, I am running a homebrew campaign set in the world of Numenera using the Numenera role-playing game system, which is known as the Cypher system. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you enjoy the work I do and you want access to all kinds of exclusive material like city source books and, and unique adventures, previews of upcoming events, previews of videos, and access to the monthly Patreon Q&A, you can become a patron of Sly Flourish. The link is in the show notes below. And to the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your support. It really, it really helps out. So my Numenera game, big things are happening. If you want to have an exciting role-playing game, hand your characters a nuclear bomb. And that sounds like a metaphor. So there's a concept called knives, right? If you've you've heard of this concept called knives, the idea of knives is that players have parts of their backstory or parts of the things that they do that kind of put them in a kind of a disadvantaged position, right? Like, you know, if they have a estranged father, right? They might say, oh, I had a father, but he left. He was an adventurer, but he was always very greedy and he left my mother. And so my mother raised me and, and I always kind of didn't like him. That's like, that's a, they call that a knife. And the knife idea is then the GM can say like, oh, you know, the head of the bandits pulls down his mask. He's like, son, right? And so a knife is basically parts of characters that are handed to the DM or GM that they can use. But there's another idea, which is you can also hand the players knives instead of the other way around instead of the players handing you things about their character that you sort of use against them and use against them is kind of a antagonistic approach you're actually using them to make really interesting bits of drama in the story you're not doing it to punish anybody right you're not really using it against them but you're but sometimes it like it's it's a way of having these sort of interesting interesting beats in this situation and so that's a concept of of knives right but then there's this other way of like, what if the GM is handing knives to the player, right? And like you've handed him, and instead of handing him a knife, it's like, here, take these scissors and go run with them, right? But maybe the scissors aren't scissors. Maybe it's a satellite up in space that fires tungsten rods onto Earth with the power of a 20 megaton nuclear bomb. And there's 29 of those tungsten rods. So they actually have the power of 29 nuclear bombs. That's better than scissors, right? And that's what I gave them in the last Numenera. Gave is like, they, they, you know, I didn't give it to them. They took it, right? They have it, but it, you know, it, was, it was in place. They also have a, now a super artificial intelligence, alien super artificial intelligence that's on, on their side, kinda, right? And that's Takrin, Takrin the Herald. In my Numenera game, a super powerful entity known as the Fourth Emperor is returning to Earth after 400 billion years 600 billion years of fourth emperor nine right about 400 billion years 400 million years ago a super powerful entity alien entity ruled over earth called the fourth emperor ruled for like 100 million years right and it ruled every cell of life on the planet every every molecule of life that was on the planet was under the control of the fourth emperor that's what its goal was and it was pushed away it was pushed away by a very powerful sentient bit of a, a sentient virus known as the hex it disappeared for a few hundred million years and then recently it woke up again and it woke up when these things called heralds were awakened the heralds are super powerful artificial intelligences they look like big spheres they were in orbit around earth but they've come back down to earth and they speak for the fourth emperor and they are preparing earth for the arrival of the fourth emperor and they did so by using nanotechnology and other kind of stuff kidnapping these groups called nanos nanos are like they're like space wizards right they're wizards in the world of Numenera 
and using nanos to control nanotech so that they could both like bioengineer earth into an environment that's suitable for the fourth emperor which is one that has mostly methane in the atmosphere but also build armies and other things to kind of conquer the people that are there and essentially enslave everybody on the planet to serve the fourth emperor including not just enslaved people but all life they just refer to them as sentience and they're like the difference between a sentient and non-sentient is really pretty minor the characters have been thwarting this plan and most recently they went into the data sphere which is sort of like the numenera equivalent of cyberspace they went into the data sphere and they cracked a herald they found a herald they broke into a herald they used these entities that they had they have they have become allied with known as the quad cores who are like multiple personality artificial they're not artificial they were real people but they're now totally virtual and they have multiple personalities so they use that to crack a herald they broke into the herald they fought the herald in its own data sphere right in its own like section of cyberspace defeated the herald and then they took this entity that they've been carrying around called Tacrin. Tacrin is a, what is known as an excagate which is sort of like a person who has succumbed completely over to Numenera for thousands of years. They're like a lich. They're like a cyber lich, right? So Tacrin the cyber lich, which I called an excagate, was connected to the remains of Faradon the herald, this super artificial intelligence herald. And now he said like, I lived as a, as a biological being for about 75 years. And then I lived as a cybernetic being for about 950 years. And now I've been connected to an artificial super intelligence that has lived for 600 million years. What remains of my original being is not anything like what exists now. And the players are like, you're freaking us out. And he's like, no, no, we're good. We're all cool here. Right. And they're like, are you sure? Because you're sounding really kind of weird. And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. We're happy here. Oh, by the way. And he made a new skull. He said, here, you can carry this around. You can talk to me anywhere. But I'm going to be here in my sphere. Right. In my, he's now become a herald. So, so Tacron is now a herald that is on the side of the players, which is really cool because heralds are super powerful artificial super intelligences. And he's connected. And he said, by the way, I now have a data port that can take you to an eye of the fourth emperor. An eye is a geosynchronous satellite. There are six of them surrounding the earth. And I can send you to one of these and you can take it over. And that's where the fourth emperor is able to drop tungsten rods into any point on the planet. So why don't you go up there? And by the way, you can take that skull and you can hook it up to whatever the central processing unit is of the, of the, the eye. And I can control that too on your behalf. And they're like, that's, that's what we call a knife being handed in the other direction, right? And they're like, mm, you were saying all that weird stuff about being 600 million years old. How do we know that that's not like overtaking your ability to be friends with us? And he's like, no, no, it's good. And besides, you're going to want to do something like that because how else are you going to stay up there and control it? So that he's like, they're like, mm, I don't know. But they're like, we'll talk about that. And he's like, all right, we'll talk about that. So they go up there. They fought a bunch. Of, well, the thing about the eye is the eye is physically disconnected from the data sphere. It has a it has an air-gapped network. And it's that's to ensure that somebody can't just crack an eye and start using it. They have to get through a herald. Well, they got through a herald. They then data cast themselves up to the thing, real cast it into the real world up on the satellites, saw that they were floating above Earth, saw Earth below them, fought a bunch of stuff that controls it, and then saw that there is actually another herald inside the eye the eye is actually its own sentient entity as well that's similar to a herald they beat that and when they beat it one of the characters stabbed it with a with a spear this was samji one of the characters stabbed the central processing unit of the eye which was sending out this like negative pulse wave that was killing everybody and he stabbed it with a spear and he rolled a one 
he got, he got two attacks, and one of the attacks, he rolled a one. And a one in Numenera is what we refer to as a free GM intrusion. The GM can choose to, like, make things interesting based on rolling a one. And I did. I said, you know, you pull it out, and all of a sudden you see that the, the spear tip of your, of your sword, sword spear is now swimming in swirling red mist. And they know that that means it is essentially infected by the hex that super intelligent that's that that intelligent virus that destroyed the fourth emperor and sent the whole world into a dark age for a million years or for 100 million years so they're like oh my god do we just inject the hex into this thing controlling this you know controlling this satellite and they did so he stabbed in and and all of a sudden it the the sphere started getting overtaken by the hex and it tried to send out a signal to the rest of the fourth empire saying i've been infected by the hex right you know i number four has now been infected by the hex and they're like oh my god they they didn't even know the hex was out right the rest of the fourth emperor had no idea the hex was around but it is and now they realize and one of our satellites got infected with the hex so Takran at that point, the Exegate guy said, you know what? I don't want to be hooked up to the central processing unit anymore. <laughs> like, I don't want to be, we're good. We're good separate. I don't want to be hex connected. And the characters are like, we well, just leave it. Like, it'll be fine, right? Like, it's all fine. We'll be fine here, right? And so they fought everything else. They had a bunch of other things they had to fight. And they destroyed that. And while they were destroying that, the central sphere was getting overtaken by the hex and did. And then the hex started speaking to the characters saying, I have control over the satellite. What would you like me to do? And they're like, wow, you're really nice. It's like, well, you know, I told you what I want, which is I want to be the hex, the sentient, the sentient virus, wants to be injected into the world, into the universe of the fourth empire. There was a really awesome discussion a few sessions back where the players were deciding, like, what are we doing? Like, if we inject, we know how bad the hex is. We know that it basically removed or it, it put all life into a dark age for 100 million years on Earth. We're going to infect an entire other universe. How do we know that's not a nice universe with billions of sentient creatures that don't deserve this? Right. Like, what does that mean if we're just willing to throw it to someone else? And everyone else is like, hey, it's not here right? It's not our world. Like why we didn't deserve it either. And we got it. So, you know, it's really an interesting conversation about the morality of in- injecting this super virus into another world, like what that means, right? What, we're not just a world, but a universe, right? A whole other universe. And it's a fascinating conversation. So that was really fun. Anyway, so the hex now controls the satellite. I said, I, you know, I will work with you and we'll do, we'll work together as long as you promise that you're going to inject me into the, into the world of the fourth emperor when that gate opens. By the way, I could tell you where the gate is. I now know where it is because this thing knew where it was and told him where the gate was. So, and the character was like, well, we're going to have to think about that. And he's like, hey, whatever. So then they had some choices. Like now they have access to a satellite that had, I think it had 61 or 62 tungsten telephone poles like telephone poles made out of tungsten in a big like rail gun and they could fire those down onto the planet to one third of the planet right that this satellite has basically a view of roughly one third of the planet and i said what do you want to blow up and they said well those skybreakers sound really bad those things that are changing the atmosphere from oxygen to methane maybe we should destroy those and there was some conversation like well should we instead use the uh, like do we want to destroy those because like maybe that would be really bad for the atmosphere and i said you know through your knowledge you understand that if you destroy these things the atmosphere will rebuild itself right that if you stop these things from replacing oxygen with methane the the you know the, the rest of the nature of the world will will revert it like it hasn't gone that far that fast and the rest of the world can revert it over time so i said all right blow those things up so they fired like 27 rods and blew up 27 
of these skybreakers all over, like right? these huge constructs, right? That have been spending months and months and months getting built. And they all just boom, boom, boom. And they could see these little explosions on the surface of the planet, right? And they're like dust and everything else. There's probably like, it's not radioactive dust, but there's probably, I think this is, this is something that we probably want to put in today's notes. So I'm going to start with today's notes. As always, we are using Notion, not always, but you know, as we have been recently, we are using Notion. I am using Notion to do my campaign planning. I love Notion for campaign planning. If you want to learn more about how to use Notion for your campaign planning, there is a link in the show notes below. So we're going to create a new session planning template. We click that. And today is 10 July 2022, Sunday, Numenera. And I think I knocked them up to step one now. I have to ask to be sure, but I'm pretty sure that I said that they have now reached 52 experience points and are a tier four step one. I'm, I'm, I'm giving them a tier basically every time they do a major milestone in the campaign and, and taking over the eye and doing what they did was definitely a step. So they're, they're getting steps pretty quickly. They got, I think they got three steps in like three sessions. So that's great because I want them to get all the way to the top. I, I, I'm pretty close to it. So we've got that. We are going to take our old notes and archive those into old session notes. You can always look them up again. I got that. And session zero notes we can move down below, right? I have a lot of like old things here to keep track of. Look at this. I have new stuff. What does that even mean? The old stuff idea jar. So, you know, you can create pages in Notion where you just like little scrapbook things. So what was, what was I got? Oh yeah. Secret and clue. This is, this is not going to be a big secret, but like the, a dust cloud has clouded the atmosphere, has clouded the atmosphere and probably will remain for a couple of months. Is that too mean? So the idea is like, well, you dropped 28 tungsten rods onto the surface of the planet, which each one had like 20 megaton nuclear capability that kicked a lot of dust into the atmosphere. So I think the idea is like, there's a lot of dust in the atmosphere. They can still see the sun, but it's going to take a couple of months to fix itself. Right. I don't, I mean, it's, you know, some of it is like, I don't want things to be like too dark, like, like thematically dark, but you're also like, Hey, you did this. Right. So I don't know, but I think it's kind of neat to see like the repercussions of what they did, right. That they, they have, they have done this. So, you know, crop failures, I think that, you know, that enough sunlight is getting through, but it could have, you know, it could have consequences. It could be, it could be a little difficult and, and, you know, who knows? I think like it could put extra pressure on the amber papacy, the remainder of the amber papacy, which is pretty much shattered. That's probably a secret and clue, right? The amber, I don't know how to spell papacy. The Amber Papacy has largely collapsed. The Amber Pope is dead, right? I don't think that's really come up. And so now local, local warlord, local, what are they called? These are, damn, what are the names of the, the priests, Amber, the, 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 the priests of the Amber Papacy? Local Aeon priests have taken over and are in all but physical conflict with so we're going to get some numenera politics back into play i think a lot of the politics has kind of broken out but now things are pretty chaotic there was an old yeah the angulan knights right the angulan knights the angulan knights have believe they each have full authority to protect 
humanity from technological threats. So the interesting thing is like as chaos starts to reign because of the, f the, the fourth empire is starting to collapse, right? It was building up and now the characters have caused it to start collapsing. They blew up a lot of the skybreakers. They have not blown up a lot of the temples. So I think we're going to have a new, a new herald that is going to be sort of in charge of the area that they're going to. And they know that they can just tell Takrin to blow it up. Right. They can they can just blow up a herald if they want to. And that will break the hold that the Orgolians, who are the creatures built by the Fourth Empire for general crowd control, it sends them into a homicidal rage when they lose connection to their to their connection. So that's probably something else. Orgolians go into a homicidal rage when disconnected from a right. So that's cool. So the strong start is they are beginning. They are they are still on the eye. So aboard the eye of Faradon. It's still called the eye of Faradon. Faradon's dead. And something happens, right? They already made their choice. They already saw that they, they, they had some opportunities for like where they wanted to go. And one of them was like the city of Badrav was under attack by Orgolians. But they said, no, the, the thing that we want to go after is we know that Samji has a brother named Radius and Radius. We know where Radius is and we want to go and find his brother because we also know that Samji and Radius are two of potentially thousands of beings like them that we could use to do to 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 fight back the fourth empire without just nuking things right so they said yeah we're going to go for that so i'm basically stealing ideas from two other numenera products jade colossus which is where i said the armies were were held and slaves of the machine gods which is an adventure by bruce cordell that actually involves radius and the this cybernetic army i'm i'm kind of grabbing ideas from this i don't plan on running them directly i don't like it's a big eight-part adventure and i'm not running a big eight-part adventure i'm just going to steal some ideas like i'm stealing ideas from both of these so i think that like one of the secrets there's a there's a town ballard right so in our notes we're going to say the the town of Ballard, I guess, is it a city? It's probably the city of Ballard sits outside of the Jade Colossus and Radius was last seen there, right? Radius is a brother to Samji, right? I think Samji's actual name is Origin. So the idea for the today's session, I don't know, I don't know what to do for the strong start, but the idea for the today's session is that the characters travel to Ballard to a untouched data sphere node. And I think it would be fun to kind of have a small like, you know, a small dungeon that they make their way out of to get to Ballard. There's a big question, some, 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 some great big important question is, like, how, how much time do I want to spend on this arc of the campaign, right? And, like, I'm not too worried about ending quickly. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't mind going on long, but I also feel like, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of want to get closer to the end. So I don't, you know, I, I won't, I don't know how long I want things to go, but I probably don't want to spend too much time on this, right? I don't know. Hey, my mom is here. Hi, mom. 
come and enjoy my talk about my RPG. So I don't, I probably don't want to spend too many sessions on this, right? And that means like cutting to the cool parts is a big one. Patrons of Sly Flourish have access to a couple of different generators that are similar to the generators available in the Lazy DM's Companion. Both of these are part of a, of a book called Sly Flourish's Uncovered Secrets Volume 2. This is basically all of the stuff that isn't in the Lazy DM's Companion that's similar to the material you would find in the Lazy DM's Companion. It includes things, and I, I made two. I made one that's a science fantasy generator, which I made specifically to help me with my Numenera game. And I made another one called the Cyberspace Generator, which is to help me build things in the data sphere. So I... I'm going to use these tables today. Again, patrons have access to it. Patrons of SciFlourish can get access by going to their Patreon page, going to Uncovered Secrets Volume 2, and you will find both of these generators inside of that in that volume. And if you're interested in this and you're not a patron, you can become a patron and get it. So I'm going to use this, these, I think, to generate a location that they would go to. And I think we're going to do both a data sphere location and we're going to use a physical location. So let me get my dice. All right. And we will start with the data sphere location. We will start with the data sphere location. So what is the look? This is the look. This is the node on the outside. This is the one that's going to be close to the data sphere location. These are like ancient ruins, right? Even in the data sphere, it's like an ancient ruin. So the location would be a two, a data, data node wreckage. Okay. So there's like this, you know, almost like a pyramid and what kind of weird features does it have? I might roll a couple of weird features. Let me roll another die. Oh, well, I rolled two 20s. Odds of that are one in 400. One in a 20. Destroyed machines and swirling galaxies. Okay, cool. I should write this down. Below swirling galaxies. And what was the other? I already forgot what the other one was. Swirling galaxies and destroyed machines. We'll have to kind of decide like what kind of machines. I think the destroyed machines in the science fantasy generator. Oh, this would be kind of cool. We can roll on the origin table, 15 AI based machines. So destroyed AI based machines. I don't know what that means. We could do some des a description, five golden. Now we got AI based golden machines. That's cool, right? Maybe we'll give it a condition to gravity-defying, gravity-defying, AI-based gravity-defying golden machines. The environment itself, let's go to our cyberspace generator. A couple of features, 16 and three. Did I already roll features? There's a crashed glide. Oh yeah, I already rolled on this one. So we'll use 16 and three. So three is loud echoes, cool, and gossamer curtains, right? That's cool. I don't know how to spell Gossamer. Uh, so that gives me a lot of like things to work with there, right? But let's do some inhabitants there. Somebody's there, right? In the cyberspace side. Probably not an enemy, I don't think, but we'll see. And inhabitants are 18, a monstrous simulation. Ooh, that's kind of cool. And maybe something else, 15, an eye in a pyramid. Of course, right? Eye in a pyramid. Hi, dad. I in a pyramid and a and simulated a simulated monster, Illuminati confirmed. Yeah, and uh, so that's kind of cool. What do we want for a monster? I have my bestiaries handy. What would be a good simulated monster? So we'll go. Let's roll a monster. 
probably high. I probably want a high monster, right? Like an eight? An eight would be pretty good. What if, oh, the, the Kataru Behemoth might be kind of neat. I know they're like the most powerful monster. I think they're in Bestiary 1. I should put these in order here. There we go. Which book has the Kataru Behemoth? Is that in Discovery? Am I spelling Behemoth wrong? No, I'm spelling it right. Be behemoth. What is that in? I should look. Kataru Behemoth is level 10. Is that in this book? There it is. And that is the behemoth. It is on the cover of, talk about a cyber demon. Damage inflicted, 12. Health, 100. Woo. I think it might simulate a Katara behemoth, right? And it pulled it from the minds of the people. It's like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, right? It reaches in and it travels back and finds one. So that's in the data sphere side. That's fun. I like that. Then, on, then they pop out of the data sphere. They use it. And they they use it and then they go somewhere else. So what's on the other side, right? And on the other side, we're going to roll a location. And that's a 20, a data sphere. We're going to roll that again. A tower, all right? So there's an old tower. And what's the origin of this tower? Roll origin, 19. A primate tower. Weird. Okay. And then we'll do condition and description. 3 and 15, a burnt, burnt, cracked prim primeval tower, right? That's where it pops out. And maybe it is a thing of worship. Maybe there is a small pyramid at the top of this thing and a bunch of primates, 2001 style, worshipped it. So a bunch of primates worshipped a pyramid that is actually an AI-based data node. Yeah, data sphere node. Virtus. That's pretty funny. I dig that. Shattered tower. We got that. What did I say? A cracked shattered tower? What did I say? A burnt. So it's charred. What, what would have charred it? Uh, maybe there's like a bunch of burnt bodies, right? Burnt bodies of the primates, right? Yeah. So they pop out like on the opposite end of 2001, which I think is, is pretty great. So I, I dig that. What else? So I got, so they got those locations and then they end up in the city of, uh, I, I, I mentioned it before, but I should put it down. Ballard. And this is in, we were talking about in discord last week, I was talking about a tip for people running games where they're using character paper, character sheets is to write down the page number, the book and the page number of the ability that you put down in your character sheet. So your whole character sheets, like an index for the book right? And you can do the same thing in your notes. So like, because I'm using a bunch of different source books, these are not on anything like D&D Beyond. You will notice that in my notes, I type the name of the book and the page number so that during play, it's very easy for me to go pick up that book, pick up that page number and go. I should do the same thing for the Kotara Behemoth, shouldn't I? It's in B3, right? And I know, I, you only have to know the abbreviations yourself. Another real important, B3 page, this, this is best of three, right? Page 84. Uh, one thing that I think is really important for GMs, I really believe this. This is a strong, prepare yourself for a strong sly flourish. I don't think it's a hot take. Maybe a hot take. I don't know. But a strong opinion. A strong opinion loosely held. Your notes are for you. They're not for anybody else. You are not, you don't have to impress anyone else with your notes. I'm sitting here on Twitch. There's how many people watching on Twitch right now? 
75 people watching on Twitch, right? According to my thing. 75 of you hanging out watching me play. On YouTube, I don't even know how many people are watching. Now, hundreds of people, right, are going to watch me on YouTube. I'm not writing my notes for you. <laughs> I love you, and thank you for coming, and it's always a great pleasure. But I'm not writing them to impress you, right? I'm not writing these notes so that you could take them and run it in your game. These notes are for me to help me run my game, and that's it right? Your notes don't have to be clean. They don't have to, you don't need to use full sentences. You don't need to literally ones of people, right? You don't, you don't need anything in here that doesn't help you, right? Cause you're not impressing anybody. You don't need to impress anybody that these notes are for you. So like B3, no one else would know what the hell I'm talking about. Right. But I know, and you guys know, cause I'm talking to you guys, right? B3 is bestiary three, Numenera bestiary three, but I don't need to write Numenera bestiary three to make sure that somebody else in a hundred years from now can pull up my notes and figure it out. B3, B, BG84 is perfect. Right. So, so abbreviate, write incomplete sentences, write short passages, write one word. Your notes only matter to you. They only have to matter to you. And if you're spending a lot of time making your notes clean, if it's clean because it helps you, that's absolutely great. If it's if you're doing it because you want your notes to be like a product, your notes are not a product. And I think this is where like DMs and GMs can get into this stage of like, well, I might make this something that I sell. Well, okay, if you do that, that's a different story, but you probably don't want to do it during game prep. That's two separate things. Write your notes, run your game, see how it works. If you like that, take your notes, write something, and then think about how you're writing it for other DMs to run. But most of the time, your notes are for you. So abbreviate as much as you want incomplete sentences fragments poor grammar lousy spelling look at the spelling errors i've got i got spelling errors all over the place i don't care i don't care they're my notes right they're my notes for me so and then the other tip is you could put page numbers in your notes right so that works the wakester says can you link to the book and page i don't think i don't think there's a way to link to a i might if i imported it into notion if i took the pdf and put it into notion i might be able to do that but i'm not going to bother doing that so it's just as easy to you know i can just pull up the pdf and look at it so yeah put page numbers if you're using a book even if you're using like a watsi book like maybe indeed beyond and maybe it's still faster to pull up the paper book write the page number write the page numbers down Page numbers are your monsters. Page numbers are your of your places, stuff like that. There's one to grow on. So I got some locations. I still don't have, oh, I know one of the strong starts. Another situation I'm facing in today's game is that I have been talking a lot about Samji, right? Because Samji is a protective glaive who fuses flesh and steel. We've already tied together that Samji and Radius are brothers and that there are more of them. So this is really like a big part of the campaign that's built around Samji. Guess who's not here today at the game? Jay, who runs Samji. So a lot of times you get a question like, what do you do when you've got a section of your campaign that's built around a particular character and that player's character is not there? And in my case, I'm like, I'm going anyway, right? Because I'm just going to make Radius an important NPC that the characters meet. And they know it's Samji's brother. It would be great if Samji's here, but he's not. And I can't twist the whole campaign around based on attendance because people are in and out all the time. So I just roll with it. Right. And I try to make sure that the, the adventure itself is still going to be fun for everybody that's there. They will know what Samji's brother and that's fine. But I think one idea, Samji disappears. Right. And I think a secret is Samji and Radius actually have the inherent ability to data cast and real cast at will from anywhere they don't need a virtus i like this idea a lot i like an idea that one of the things that makes samji and radius 
And the there, there's a name for this army. They're called the Glistening Army. And they are controlled by a thing called the Halo of Dominion. Can be controlled by an artifact called the Halo of Dominion. The Glistening Army was built by a Aeon priest named... Got lots of secrets going on here. Orstenia Mall, Mile, uh, who built the army to overthrow the Amber Papacy. I don't know how to spell Papacy. And it's really important that I spell Papacy right because you're all watching and my notes, I don't want to embarrass myself. There we go. I feel better. After her betrayal by a former Amber Pope, what? Acumen the second. And this all happened when? This all happened a long time ago, a century ago. Acumen is long dead. Cool. So Samji disappears. Uh, it appears it is as though he data cast, but there's no nearby Virtus. His eyes were swirling red before he left. That means he was overtaken by the hex. That's a strong start. It would be kind of interesting to throw an NPC into this burn tower. So I've got like, okay, so let's, let's see. I've got like 17 minutes to have to, until, you know, to have all the notes that I need for my game to be ready to run. So what am I missing? What do I, what do I need? So I got a strong start. That's cool. I've got a bunch of scenes. I know about Ballard. I'm going to just, I'm going to hit the, the thing for Ballard. I would like the characters. So we have some NPCs. So we have Radius, of course. We have Takran, who is now not just Takran the Excagate. I wish there was a way I could do a strike through. Takran the Herald, former Excagate, right? He is now a Herald. Now a Herald. After being connected up to the corpse of what's it called? Feridon. I don't really need that. That's one where I'm overdoing my notes, right? Like, I know that. Why do I have to put in my notes? The answer is I don't, but why not? So let's see. So what am I missing? I didn't actually go through the characters. Let's go through the characters, right? We forgot step one. Step one is the most important step. We have Biko. Who, who can't make it today? I know Jerry can't make it, and I know Jay can't make it, and we will see who else can make it. That's, you know. So Biko, an intuitive jack who rides the lightning. I really need to spend more time with Biko. I need to know, like, how I want to know specifically, how does Biko feel about what's going on? And what does it, and how does it connect to his past and his motivations? I just don't know enough about Biko. I never have known enough about Biko. Cecilia, it would be interesting. So Cecilia is a hideous jack who wields power of precision. I definitely want to have more of an arc with her, her people. Oh, so yeah, I think, I think that, you know, if they connect back, cause they, they could also connect back. We, we need some secrets about what else is going on besides Ballard. And one of them is the quad cores have determined that they can, so they've learned, they've learned that Cecilia's people all have an inherent connection to the data sphere, but it's subconscious. The quad cores 
can inject Cecilia's crystalline form into her people. Doing so causes them to be sterilized, but they'll live forever, practically live forever. So they can no longer procreate. So what happened is Cecilia found, uh, so Cecilia's people die at like age 42 automatically. They just, they live to like age 42 and then they die. And she's like two, she was like six months before it, right? But she found a cipher and the cipher turned her entire skin into a crystalline form, right? It's no longer the chitin style that her body was before. It's now crystalline. And now that it's crystalline, she can no longer procreate. For her, it wasn't a problem because she wasn't procreating anyway. But she, and, and now she is, can effectively live forever, right? This crystalline form can't really be destroyed. She can feed that into all of the rest of her people. But doing so means that nobody else will ever be born again. And those who exist right now will live forever. But they could do that. And we'll see how that goes. Like, I don't think she's going to make that choice. You would probably say, no, God, that's like doing that against someone's will is terrible. So probably that wouldn't be the case, but they could offer it. Right. But what's the payment? So if she said like, oh, well, we just kind of offer it to people. But I guess the answer is like for them to get the word out, can they die from murder? I don't think so. I, I, I think if they're destroyed, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Probably physical destruction might, might do it. Like she can still be stabbed and stuff like that. She's not immortal, but it's possible. The crystalline structure regrows itself into the original being again. Like it might take time, might take years, but eventually the crystal sort of like crystals growing in the planet, they will regrow and turn back into its original form again. Right. But it might take years. So I don't know. Doing so physically would take decades and many would die before they could be reached. So that's kind of cool. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. What else do we learn? I, I still like the idea that we haven't even got through other characters yet. Juniper's mother, what's her name? Cassandra? Is it Cassandra? Where was my NPCs? Yeah, Cassandra. Um, Juniper's mother, Cassandra, is dating Cocoon. Another little tip? that I like to do is I like to give everybody a title. So any NPC that I create has a little title. Cassandra, the facilitator is dating Cucuccio, Winter's Edge Cavalry. I think that's going to be funny because he's like, you know, this is, this is Cucuccio, right? And that's the steed he rides. I think he actually rides a big cybernetic Harley and Cassandra and they're very different people. Cucuccio is really like a, you know, I'm really, I, I really hope that scene comes up. Because it's going to be funny. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. So that's the Shiro Mifune, right? Is the picture from Seven Samurai. And, but in what's it called? Sanjuro, the, the movie Sanjuro, one of the things he's got is he's got like this scrapey beard and he's wearing this big kimono and his hand will sneak up outside of the kimono and like scratch his beard and then go back down again. Like he, he pulls his arm out of his kimono. So his kimono's still hanging right and just his hand will like go up through his shirt. It's hysterical. So I want him to do that. I like, Cassandra talks to Juniper and says, I just, I, there's something that you and I need to have a conversation about. And what? And like, I need you to know something. What? It's, it, you know, and I, I want you to not freak out. I just want you to know that Cucuccio and I have begun to see each other. Right. And she's like, yeah. And she'll look over and there's Cucuccio and he just looks at her and he's like, right. And then he like scratches himself. I just think it'd be hysterical. 
I mean, who wouldn't want to date Toshiro Mifune, right? <laughs> I'd date him. So yeah, it's very, it's hysterical. I love it. So yeah, so that's Juniper. The shade exists partially out of phase. I think he, Jad would probably be the one to note that when Samji disappears, it's not because he is, when he disappears, it's not because he went out of phase. It's because he entered the data sphere. I think, I think Jad would be able to know that. So yeah. And then Nakia, the benefits of Jack. So then Nakia and Samji are both not there. So we won't bother. So we will push them out of mind. If you're not going to show up to my game, I'm not even going to think about your character. Take that, Jerry. I don't think Jerry watches this show. Jerry's awesome. Jerry's in both my games. He's in both my Wednesday and my Sunday game. He's the only one that's been playing both games. What else? So monsters. Oh, I want to have another NPC. I want to introduce another NPC. Let's see here. For funsies, let's go to Lazy DM's Companion. I think I have an NPC generator in there, almost certainly. This is my book, The Lazy DM's Companion. You can pick up the PDF right now. In about a month, you'll be able to pick up the physical version. I happen to have a physical version right here. It's the only, there's only a handful. How many, I think there's three of these in people's hands right now. They're all in mine. Three, three in my hands. Uh, and in here is an NPC generator. But let's take a look. Page 20. So let's pick a NPC. This is fantasy, but it'll work. So we have 19, a tiefling. So like a horned humanoid, right? Worldview, he, they are, so we should pick a, let's see, as a loving, all right? Couple of appearances and mannerisms, 16 and 18. Snorts often and has a heavy beard, okay? We'll probably go with a, a man. Profession, what do they do? They are a guide, ooh. Okay, so we have a horned, Let's see. A horned, what was he? Happy? I already read, right? Joy, joyful? What was his mannerism? Loving. Horned, loving, bearded guide. For a name, do I have, an, oh, I, look, I got names in here. What would be a good name for this guy? Chase. Let's just call him Chase. That snorts. Bearded guide that snorts. I love it. All right. Chase, horned, loving, bearded guy that snorts. What's he doing here? <laughs> He's leading a tour, right? What is the current state of Balarod. I kind of like the idea that he's sort of leading a tour, right? Of the tower. And they walk in with a bunch of people like, oh, look at this. He's like, yeah, this is an ancient primal race and they worship this pyramid that has served no purpose whatsoever. None of us can, ah! And it's like they all data cast out. Like, how are you? That would be very fun. But a big question, this is an important one. This is something we need to figure out. We got four whole minutes. Monsters, I'm not gonna worry about. Treasure, I'm not gonna worry about. So we're gonna, we're gonna skip these two sections today. But I do need to know the state of Balarod. I'm actually gonna make a location name for this. So I'm gonna make a page for Balarod. Just so I have a, oh, and I can put my reference in there, right? So I have a bookmark and that way I can use Balarod in other, I can use Balarod in other um, notes. Now I've got a thing. That's one of the real advantages. I was talking to like Sam Dillon, who still is using all of, he's doing all of his notes in paper, which is totally cool. And lots of people use notes in paper. One of the things I think makes Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master a powerful system is you can use it in any system. You can use it with pen, pen and paper. You can use it with online tools. You can use it in anything. I, I wanted to keep it agnostic from how you did it. It is not, it is not to be done in any one particular thing. And he was saying he uses paper, which is totally cool. One of the advantages I have found switching over from paper-based and from like a single text file to something like Notion or something like Obsidian is the ability to create a card for something and link to that card. 
really handy. You could do that anyway. You could do that in your notes. You could have NPCs on like three by five cards and just keep those handy. That would totally work too. But I think it's really that, that I, the idea of hypertext, right? Like hypercard. I remember my dad was a huge fan of a thing called hypercard, which was pre-internet where you could essentially write a document that had links to other documents in it. Really powerful, right? So the idea of like Ballarat now has a page, right? And I could put it in here and I could put pictures of Ballarat in here, right? I think, I don't know if, is there a picture of Ballarat? There's a map, right? So I can grab this map that the resolution isn't great, but good enough, right? Save to clipboard, stick it in my Ballarat page, right? We got that. That's really cool. That's another, like, isn't that really cool? Like that's, that's something you just can't do easily with other tools that like you just copy and paste, right? And, you know, I think, I think that that helps a lot and we can take, you know, this picture and save that and we'll stick that in there too. And then I can share those pictures with my, my players, right? And they can see it. Very cool. So what's the state of Ballarat, right? So Ballar where is Ballarat? Does, is Ballarat under a herald? We probably want to have a new herald. So I think this is, you know, Ballarat, right? Now I've got a hyperlink page. Ballarat is under the sphere of the herald. And which herald? I think I have a couple of heralds that I have not used. We have Slyandar. If we have Farad, here's another herald. Maybe I don't have another herald. We'll pick this guy. And we need a cool name for it. The seventh herald. Have I used Carthax anywhere? Let's search all my notebooks. Does not use it look like I've used Carthax. So Carthax it is. So Carthax the seventh herald, uh, overseeing Balarod and the Jade Colossus. But what's the state? Uh, so a cool thing could be that Carthax or that that Balarod is under the sphere of Carthax of Carthax the seventh herald. They tried to, let's see, the people of Carthax have managed to keep the Orgolians at bay. Carthax tried to blow it up using the Eye of Faradon, but a beam came out of the, the Jade Colossus and disintegrated the incoming Tungsten Rod. Carthax, this is a secret, this secret is too long, has mostly lost interest in Balarod, but skirmishes continue. Cool. Another secret is Radius, Sam G's only awake, awakened brother. Their brother, Axis, went out to, went out with an army of his warbringers to cut down the herald to cut down Carthax at the temple of Tem the temple of Carthax, and that is a new location. Bang location and never returned. No one has gone out there since. That's a lot of stuff. I got a lot of material. So I think the state of Bellarod is that it's sort of a war zone. It's a dangerous place to be. Orgolians are going in there. There's apparently like other groups that are there and Radius and, and some others have been trying to keep the, keep the peace of the place, you know, and they've been trying to live as they can. The Jade Colossus actually seems to be keeping the place safe a little bit, but they don't know why or for what reason. So I think, I think 
I think we're pretty good. So we have hit time. So I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me today while I've been preparing for my Numenera game. If you enjoyed this show, you can help me out by subscribing to the Sly Flourish newsletter, which gives you weekly Sly Flourish articles sent right to your inbox, along with a free Adventure Generator PDF that you can only get by subscribing. You can support me directly on Patreon. Again, patrons get access to all kinds of exclusive material and previews of of other stuff, but they also help me put on shows like this. You can subscribe to my videos right here on YouTube, which is always a help, or you can pick up any of my books on the Sly Flourish bookstore. All the links for all of that are in the show notes below. So thank you all very much for hanging out today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I will see you next week, and get out there and play a role-playing game.